Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. Father, we thank you for your gifts and your callings, Lord. We thank you that the body has many gifts, many members in it. And Father, we understand that we are vessels. And so we choose to humble ourselves to the gifts and callings that you've given us, Lord, and yield to those things, Father. And we thank you. We thank you that your new wine, your spirit will come out of us powerfully in Jesus' name. If you can agree with that, can you say amen? And as you're being seated today, tell someone, I got the new wine in me. Well, a blessed new year to everyone. Uh, We could go home right now and say it's been great to be in church. We've just had so so much word and, and so many things already, but there's still more. So we're going to look into God's Word today and, uh, and have a little more. Uh, before I do that, I want to let you know, next week, uh, we're going to have homemade ice cream in the cafe and uh, three fa- flavors, uh, cookies and cream, mango, raspberry. The cones are going to be $2, and a tub will be $3. So just to let you know about the ice cream. And, then, and also, just for so you know what's going on in the next couple months, uh, Patsy and myself will be away uh, three out of the four weeks in February, but as we've done the previous years in January, we have people in-house ministered. It's been excellent, so we'll have, uh, we'll have the pulpit manned, and it'll be a blessing in February while we're away. So what's going on in January, uh, since Patsy and I are here, we're going to do this series called Anointed for a Purpose. And today, uh, I'll be talking about Moses built the tabernacle. Next week, Patsy's going to be talking about Joshua possessed the land. The week after, Timothy helped build a church. And then the last Sunday, and uh, spread it around, and uh, we, we would like to lay hands on all of our leaders, first of all, and uh, because we really know, as we'll see in the Word even, how Moses, you know, have everyone having that same spirit that uh, serves here. And so we want to do that. But then everyone, that, after we lay hands on all the leaders, we'd like to lay hands on everyone serving in the church. So that's going to happen on the 27th. And uh, so... And also on the 27th, we're going to lay hands on uh, our first uh, church missions trip that's going to Thailand. We're going to lay hands on uh, the the ones going to Thailand that last Sunday, too. So that'll be great. Okay, Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, that we're anointed for a purpose. We thank you as we look into the word, Father God, uh, so many wonderful things in your word. We thank you. We humble ourselves, Lord, and we acknowledge it. We could not do this without you. So, Father... I humble myself to you, Father. We thank you uh, that you use us, Father. Speak through us uh, everything that you want to say in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, here's a scripture that we'll start off today in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 9. It says, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. So that's God talking to Moses. And just so you uh, see, here's a pic of the tabernacle. And so he's talking about that, that uh, you're going to build that, and you're going to do it exactly like I tell you to do it. So that's what he's talking about. So he wanted the sanctuary or tabernacle, and he chose Moses to do it, okay? 
And so when God does anything on the earth, okay, somebody said it this way, God can do all things, and I, I like the way that they said it many years ago, but when God wants to do something, he sovereignly chooses to accomplish his purpose through people. When God chooses to do something, he sovereignly chooses to do his purposes through people. And so uh, we're going to look at something God chose to do back then. He wanted Moses to be over the project, but we're going to see how God did it, and he pulled it off. So before we do, let's look at this. Sanctuary. Let's just define sanctuary. Sanctuary is a consecrated place. Uh, so we're tabernacle, sanctuary, temple, house. We, we can, all of those are different words when we talk about where God dwells. So a sanctuary is a, uh, is a consecrated place, such as ancient Hebrew temple or at Jerusalem or its holy of holies. It's a place such as a church or temple for worship. Uh, and then it, let's talk about tabernacle just to define that and we'll go on. It's a house of worship, a tent sanctuary used by the Israelites during the Exodus. And, a, or, and I like this one the best, a dwelling place. So when we talk about a tabernacle or a house, we can say it's a dwelling place. Okay, so I like these uh, verses here and the way that it describes it in Habakkuk 2.20. It says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. I like the way that that says it. And then I like Exodus 25 and verse 8 also. Uh, this is the next verse. We, we read verse 9. This is the previous verse. It says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. And that's the part that uh, we want to like concentrate on about God living among. And we're going to move into uh, near the end uh, about the New Testament and the tabernacle in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, he wanted to live among the people. Okay, so we can say this about this tabernacle and him living amongst the people. It was like an illustration that God wanted to show everyone that it was his original plan when he put Adam and Eve on the earth. God wanted to live amongst his people. And then, of course, we know that Adam uh, messed up and things changed. But now God's giving us this illustration and he made a way that he could come and this tabernacle was a dwelling place for God to live among people. Okay, so, you know, we could teach for weeks on this, and we could uh, do a lot of different types and shadows about all the different furniture in the tabernacle. Uh, we wouldn't have time to do all of that, but we're going to pull out a few things uh, today that we have time to do. So the first thing we want to, here's two things we'll talk about today. We want to talk about design, orchestration, and performance. Uh, you know, I know those sound like a lot of words, but uh, we'll make it simple. And then after that, we want to talk about the New Testament tabernacle, the New Testament tabernacle. So let's start with this one, design, orchestration, and performance. So going back to Exodus 25 and verse 9, here's what it says. It says, you must build. Notice how it says you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings. Now notice this exactly according to the pattern I will show you. So they really had no choice. You know, God said, this is what I want. And uh, 
he designed the tabernacle, so this design that he had, they had to build it exactly like he said. So when you think about it, God designed the universe. He designed the earth. <laughs> he designed everything in the earth, the animals, all the people. Uh, you know, God does those kind of things, and then he made all of those things. And now he's doing this. It's kind of like a small project <laughs> compared <laughs> to the other projects. But he says, I'm going to design this tabernacle, and I want you to build it exactly like I'm showing you. And then, as I said, we could talk about the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, the holy place, the table of showbread, the golden lampstand. Those are all pieces of furniture in the house of God. And so we're not going to be able to spend time on all those. It's a great study if, if you want to do it. But here's what we want to look at. So once God chose Moses and he said, you must build this, and I'm going to give you the plan, and you need to do it exactly. Here's what we want to see. Look at what God starts to do, okay? So look at Exodus chapter 31 and verse 6. Here's where it starts. Uh, he says, I have appointed. So when God wants to do something, the first thing that he does, he says, I have appointed. And he, the first man that he mentioned, it's uh, a previous verse, is uh, Baziel. So he says, with Baziel, I have appointed with him a holy ab. And so these two guys were the principal guys that God was going to use. And then as you notice there, he said, I have given to all able men ability. So God comes up with something. He designs it. He says, I want it to be exactly like I say. And then not only that, he calls these guys and then he says, I've called them, and now I'm even giving them ability, all right? And then look at verse, uh, chapter 35 and verse 34. He does this. He, 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 it says he has inspired him to teach. So these principal guys, Baziel and Aholiab, he not only calls them and appoints them and gives them ability, but then he goes on to say, I'm inspiring these two principal guys to teach other guys to do what I need to be done. Then you go to chapter 36 and verse 1, and it says, Baziel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary. So please notice again that when God wants to do something, it says that he has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary. When God has a project, when God wants to build something, he can design it, he can find the people, he can put anything he wants to put into those people, the gifts, the abilities, and he can not only do that, he can orchestrate all the people and gather them together to get the job done. And then look at uh, uh, verse two here. It says, Moses called uh, Baziel and Aholiab and every craftsman, now look at this, in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. Uh, and so you see how that God can actually stir people's hearts up to come to do something. It's amazing what, when he wants to do something, what he does. And then look at uh, 38 and verse 23. That says, and with him was Aholiab, the son of uh, Ashimach, of the tribe of Dan, and look at this, an engraver and designer, 
and embroider. Has, has the lights gone off? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I was thinking, I, I know my eyes are okay. <laughs> An engraver and designer and embroider. So uh, please, please notice that, that these are all, you know, sometimes we think these are natural things. You know, uh, when God wants to do something, every single person is necessary and every kind of work is important. And I, I think that's just wonderful. You see that in the Old Testament, uh, that an engraver, a designer, an embroiderer, everyone is something and everyone is necessary and everyone is valuable and everyone is important in the kingdom of God. And I love that. And so uh, what we see here, just to summarize it, that God, and we, we're not going to spend a lot of time here because we want to move on to some other things, but here's just a summary of what we looked at. God designed the tabernacle. God called and appointed the laborers. God gave ability to the laborers. He put skill and intelligence in their hearts to do the specific work required. He also stirred their hearts. He inspired primary laborers to teach others. Those are what we just, we just read that, and that's a summary of everything we read. So in a nutshell, here's what we can say. The people performed what God designed and orchestrated. The people performed what God designed and orchestrated. Okay, so that, that is a picture in an illustration of how God built a dwelling place where he could dwell in the Old Testament. Now, let's move on. And let's look now at this illustration that was pointing to the day that we're living in. So go into the New Testament tabernacle in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. We'll start there. And here's what Jesus says. He said, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So here now is Jesus standing on the earth and he is making a, a proclamation and he said, I'm going to build my church. Just the same way that God told Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle. In that same way, Jesus is saying now, and the tabernacle is a house, a dwelling place. Jesus is saying, I am, I will build my church. The same way that God had a plan in the Old Testament with Moses and everything was to be done exactly like he said, uh, etc. The same thing is true with the church. God has a plan for the church and he's been building. Jesus has been building the church a couple thousand years and I think he's doing a good job. Okay, so here's what we can say. The tabernacle, the Old Testament, the tabernacle, temple, sanctuary, house, whatever you want to say, was made of different materials, all right? And so God designed it. He orchestrated the workers to build it. So I'm just being repetitious and saying that one more time, just like we saw. And now in the new covenant and our tabernacle, here's the first thing that we want to look at about what's going on today. First of all, it's built with different materials, okay? So if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I, I wanted to get to this part, and this is like really important to see this. In verse 1, it says, For we know 
that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed and we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so the first scripture that we notice here, it's starting to show us that the Old Testament tabernacle was physical, physical materials. It was in one place. Now we're moving into the New Testament, uh, and God, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And the first thing that we see about this church that he's going to build, it says our earthly house, this tent. It's talking about our bodies. If they would be destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands that will be eternal in the heavens. So the first thing that we see is the tabernacle, the house, the sanctuary that we're, we have going on right now. It's not built with hands. All right. Look at this other scripture, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. And so isn't it interesting how the Bible says that we're a new creation. When you become a Christian, you become a new creation in Christ. So we, even though we have these physical bodies and we might, whoops, uh, we might have clothes on uh, that were made here on the earth, you know, and, uh, and, and that kind of thing, who we really are, who we really are, we really can't see. And what our clothes is covering today is, you know, it's just a tent, okay? But who we really are is an eternal spirit. And it says about us that it's not of this creation. We're a new creation. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, do you not discern and understand that you that you, and I like the Amplified translation of this, the whole church at Corinth are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you. Can everyone say permanent dwelling? So when we're talking about us, the church, God gets on the inside of us, and it's like a permanent dwelling he moves in and he plans on staying in us once we accept Jesus as Lord. And so it's a permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively. That's us together today, collectively, as a church and also individually. And, and I like that because, you know, there, there's like the individual relationship and the individual thing that we are individually the church, but then we all we're also collectively the church. So even when we come together, it's wonderful to come together. There's things that happen when we're together that uh, can't happen unless we come together. But then there's things that happen in our homes. When uh, this morning I prayed in my bedroom and I, it was special to me because I prayed and I spent time with God in my bedroom. But, and then we are together and I'm standing here today, and there was a certain time during praise and worship that the Lord blessed me and said something to me, and I was blessed when we came together. There's just, it's just wonderful to be together 
it's wonderful to be alone because we are the church individually and collectively okay so let's just uh, put this into a little summary here and we'll say some other things the Old Testament tabernacle we could uh, just put this real simple made of earthly material by human hands the design included material objects made and placed by human hands God called and gifted the human workers to accomplish that so we looked at that now the New Testament tabernacle we could say this in a nutshell it's made of heavenly material God designed the plan before the foundation of the earth and so even before the foundation of the earth if you're a guest today and you don't know the Bible before the earth was made God planned the church because he knows the beginning from the end and here's the wonderful thing his son Jesus did all the work you know how in the Old Testament he called everyone together to make the tabernacle well as far as our tabernacles are concerned Jesus did all the work and all we have to do is receive him and he comes in it's after he comes in we got this other kind of work to do okay but as far as the tabernacles go in the church Jesus did all the work we just say Jesus I receive you as my Lord I believe God raised you from the dead you're welcome in my heart and now here's a new sanctuary here's a new tap if you're with us today and you're a guest and you haven't done that you can be a, a brand new tent today a brand new house a brand new temple a brand new sanctuary Jesus did all the work we don't have to have any engravers or anyone come to get you ready Jesus did that for you okay praise God so his presence is divinely and freely imparted to us okay so this uh, what we're talking about then what would we do to build the church I mean if Jesus did it all and all we have to do is receive him you know then what kind of work are we doing and how is this church built that we're talking about and I'm glad you asked that question and uh, we'll just look at a few scriptures you know and see some things on how uh, the church you know what do we do you know what 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 builds up you know this church that we're talking about so look at Acts chapter 14 we're gonna just look today's scripture day and so we're looking at a lot of scriptures today aren't we so Acts chapter 14 and verse 27 we're just gonna look at a few at a time here and look at this uh, it says when they arrived and gathered the church together uh, look at first uh, uh, Corinthians eleven eighteen. 18 uh, for first of all when you come together as a church so notice coming together gather the church together first Corinthians eleven twenty. therefore when you come together in one place 1423 therefore if the whole church comes together in one place 1426 how is it then brethren whenever you come together and then look at Hebrews uh, 10 25 let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near and Jesus is coming back no matter what anyone says no matter what the television says or anyone on the television he is coming back so it says as it gets closer let's encourage one another let's keep meeting together uh, 
Uh, and then look at John 21, 15. It says, do you love me more than these? Feed my lambs. Uh, I just cut these out. I cut a lot out to get this all in here in a fast amount of time. So three times Jesus said this to Peter, and he was kind of frustrated the way that Jesus talked to him here. But he said, do you love me more than these? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And so when we talk about this church and this tabernacle, the way that it is built is a heavenly material, a heavenly substance, and the word of God is so much part of the building of the church. And so they came together. And so coming together, uh, as we do, there is a reason for it. Now, I know that... Uh, because I've been, you know, 30 years or, well, 40, let me think now, what, what's my anniversary? My 40, I've just celebrated my 40-year anniversary, so I got, I messed up almost by 10 years. I've been a Christian now for 40 years. I got saved in January, so I am now celebrating my 40th year in Christ. Wonderful. So, uh, <clears throat> I think I've been around long enough to say that I know sometimes there there can be these kind of thoughts, and I know that I probably had them throughout my Christianity, that when we talk about coming together, uh, it's, somebody might say, well, that's because, you know, you want to have a big crowd, and you want to talk about a big crowd, and, and all that kind of stuff, but that's not why we come together for a big crowd. The reason that we come together, we see they came together a lot, but the reason is because Jesus told Peter three times, you know, if you love me, feed the sheep. Do not forsake the assembling of yourself together because when you come together, you can get fed. And so there can be a lot of different thoughts, even accusations about why someone would come together. But if we go back to what the Bible says about it, we come together because feeding is how it's one of the ways that the church is built. We feed. So we could say this uh, about coming together, and it's a good time in January to just say these couple things that when we come together, it's an environment for heartfelt worship. And, and I, I love to, to worship together. It's an atmosphere for the presence of God. And I love the presence of God when we're corporate. I love the presence of God in our bedroom when I'm praying. I love, I love the presence of God corporately when we come together. Uh, there's a time that we can have clear Bible-based teaching. Uh, then there's a time for spiritual gifts to be used and developed and then loving relationships developed. So coming together, when we talk about this church and this tabernacle and what we're building, we come together, we get fed, and the word of God and feeding the word of God is a big part of building this tabernacle. So we could say this in a couple sentences. The building and materials during the church age are not physical, but spiritual. Spiritual growth and transformation in the lives of people is how the church is built. All right, so I'll say that one more time, that spiritual growth and transformation in the lives of people is how the church is built. And so as a church, if we go by what we read there, it would be very important to me and anyone laboring in this church, that people's lives are changed, that there's transformation going on. 
that there's revelation knowledge and transformation going on that brings significant change in the lives of people. And that's really how the church is being built. And the more people that get built, it's kind of like the multiplication, the more people that come up to a higher level and are transformed, the more people then that can minister to other people that come in. And so we desire so much to have babies, spiritual babies. And the, you know, and the more people that come up and are transformed and changed, the more people you have to be able to look after the ones that come in, the young ones in the Lord. And so here's what Ephesians says, and this is uh, uh, the last scripture that we'll use, look at today, but Ephesians chapter 4, uh, we all have a supply. Here's what it says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so this tabernacle that we're talking about, this tent that we're talking about, this house that we're talking about is us. And then what we see here is all of us, the whole body, that means everyone, joined and knit together by what every joint. Now, did you ever think that God would call you a joint? You know, I smoked a few joints when I was young. I discovered I was allergic to marijuana. It was easy to quit. The damage was not good. <laughs> but we're, the Bible says that we're joints and that <laughs> yes, I know. Just being a, she's making sure I explain that. But every joint, not those kind of joints, but every joint supplies. And so every joint, according to the effect of working, by which every part does. And so we look back and we saw that engraver, embroiderer, you know, these different ones that God gave some, they, he gave them all a part to build the tabernacle that he told Moses to build. And everyone was necessary to build that tabernacle. When we talk about this tabernacle in the church, what we see here is that every joint has a supply. And so if there's one thing that we can, before we leave today, if there's one thing that I would so desire that you get this and, not, and never lose it, and I know that we all deal with it, that you can feel like, you know, who am I? What do I have to give? You know, does God really need me? Does my part really matter? But when you look at this scripture, and we, we saw how in the Old Testament that everyone was needed to build that 
And we, we skipped over a lot of stuff. You know, the Lord moved on everyone to bring offerings, and they brought gold and all these things, and, and he stirred their hearts up to do that. So he took care of the, the gold and the money to build it. He moved everyone that way. Uh, but everyone had a part to play. And so the first thing for each person to do, uh, sometimes what we'll do is we'll compare ourselves to somebody else and what we'll think is, well, if I can't do that particular thing, then I'm not really needed or I'm not necessary. And that's really a lie. And so there may be a certain thing that you desire to do, but it may not be time to do it. And the way to get to that thing is to get involved really with another thing. So what, what supply can everyone do now? And so there's even this kind of a supply. You know, in the book of Corinthians, it says when you come and you gather together, come with, come with something. Come with a song. And now, now, so the Corinthians had a pretty big church. So we know that not every person could give a word out. We know not every person could give their song out. But it still told everyone to come with something. They all had a, they, they all had a supply. So even on the way to church, you can come with something. You can come with a song in your heart. You might not be up here singing that particular song, but you're, you're coming with something. And, and what does that do? Well, at least what it does in your life is you cross over to this place and you at least think, you know, I, I am important to God. I'm important to the kingdom of God. I, I have something to give. I have a supply. And when everyone gets to that place where you accept, like you accept where you are now and what supply do I have now and where I can give that supply, that's like step number one. And then when we all do that, you know, God starts to take us and he moves us and does things and we, we never know how that's going to go. I know that, as I said, I've, I'm, it's 40 years now and uh, I've lived on four continents, never planned to do it. I wasn't one of those people that wanted to see the world. You know, I, I know that I, even my daughters, they really like traveling and they, I never really wanted to travel. I was, I was a homeboy. Uh, I grew up with an Italian mother and she didn't even want me to go one hour from the house. She, she was like, a my mother was a world champion warrior, and she worried about everything. So she tried to keep her, her eye on me at all times. She didn't even want me to go to Cleveland, Ohio. It was one hour from our house. We, we, were, we grew up in this little town called Warren, Ohio. And I would always say, could I go to Cleveland? And she goes, that's too far away. So I kind of grew up that way, and I, I never really thought I want to be a world traveler and I want to live on four continents. But, you know, what happened is I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord, and I just began to give out the supply that I had. Found, I found my first church. Uh, when I found the first church, I start playing bass guitar there and got involved with the worship team, playing the bass guitar, etc. And it's just like... As long as I kept being involved, God kept directing. And so the thing is, like, getting involved 
allows God to keep directing. Um, you, you know, they say there's a, one of the missiles, the guidance, can, I don't, and I know they got a lot of new things out, so this is kind of like old, so I don't know if the military's upgraded, but they had this guidance control miss, missile that they, uh, this is like years ago, and when that's in the silo or whatever you call that cylinder, and it's sitting there, the guidance control system will not work. It's not till somebody pushes the button and it goes, and it goes, as soon as that happens, the guidance control system goes into operation. It has to get in the air for the guidance control system to start working. It's kind of like that with God. Uh, when we say, I'm going to get involved here, the guidance control system gets activated. And as long as you stay involved and allow God to do the directing, like the way that the guidance control missile gets directed, just get, get, take the first step, guidance control system goes into operation, God does it from there. Everyone has a supply. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come. Father, I just thank you, Lord, today. I trust that uh, what we said, Lord, that we, we're here 2019, we have a wonderful supply. We thank you, Father, for our part in the body of Christ, the part that you have for us, Father. We know that there's people that need to be saved in this area. Father, we thank you for establishing and training people. Father, we thank you for people being sent. We thank you for the plan that you have for us, Father. Lord, we thank you as we start this year off that we trust you, Father God, that you help us to build this church according to the plan that you have for this church, Lord. And Father, we're very aware of the wonderful people sitting in these seats the supplies that they have and the gifts that they have. Father, and as a church, we thank you that you help us. Help us, Father God, to lead and that every supply will make a difference in Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you for that. Father, in the event that someone is with us today and they're not in this kingdom that we're talking about, this, this house that we're talking they're, they're not a temple of your spirit. Father, we pray for them right now that you speak to their hearts today and make it really clear to them that there is a heaven to gain, there is a hell to lose, that they can today come into the kingdom of God and have eternal life, their destiny supernaturally changed, and your plan and purpose revealed to them. Thank you, Lord, for doing that in Jesus' name. If you're with us today, and you're one that's saying, I'm not in the kingdom of God. I do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I want that. It's wonderful because right now, 
we're going to say a prayer and you will be able to have exactly what you desire and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, that you would be saved. It's that simple. And so we're going to pray this prayer as a church family. And if you pray this prayer using your mouth and your heart, like it says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. So when we do this, there's two elements involved, our heart and our mouth. And if you pray that prayer, believing in your heart and saying it with your mouth, you will be saved. You will come into the kingdom of God. And so as a church family, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes. And uh, we're going to pray this prayer. This is your opportunity to pray and accept Jesus Christ today as your Lord. Let's do this. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you came. You came to earth to save us, to save us from sin. Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead. I confess you now. Jesus, you are Lord. God raised you from the dead. You are welcome in my heart. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.